0: For the military, the constant insertion of new technologies into weapons and other systems is important to maintaining a competitive edge. But new technology can be risky, and that's where Technology Readiness Assessments, or TRAs, come in. TRAs, if done right, can help agencies know when a technology is ready for use without undue risk. For more, we turn to the chief scientist at the Government Accountability Office, Dr. Tim Persons. Tim, good to have you back.
1: Great to be back, Tom. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, your report on this idea of technology readiness assessments and readiness levels and how to do it is long, even by GAO standards, 149 pages. I guess that's some indication of its importance. But essentially, this is a primer on how to do a technology readiness assessment?
1: That's right, Tom. It, uh, it, it actually is one of our best practices guides. Uh, so what we uh, intended to do is not just write a report on uh, the issue of technology maturity and then its management in uh, major capital acquisition programs. We wanted to look at the whole issue of how one might uh, r- do risk management with respect to these advanced technologies, which GAO over decades of, of its science and technology work has noted that uh, is a key source of risk for uh, uh Busting your budget, as it were. So uh, that's where it's it's the third in our, our series of best practices guides. The first was our lifecycle cost estimating guide, and then we had a schedule uh, guide released. And now this is our third in the series, uh, and we'll have a one on soft, agile software development coming up later this year. So uh, not just a report. It's a full guide, and we were uh, pleased to be able to um, essentially take input from many, many experts around not only the federal government, but across the sectors, uh, across academia, uh, the private sector, and folks who are practitioners in this area who and who understand technology management and its issues.
0: And what is the essential practice for doing a good technology readiness assessment? I imagine it takes more than one person, and you've got to have some objective in mind before you start.
1: That's right. Uh, you do need to know what your ultimate goal is, and uh, typically where GAO seen Programs fall on the rocks is when they really have unarticulated um, capabilities that they're trying to develop, um, and and it really uh, is the challenge of crossing what's called the valley of death in the in the science and technology world. Uh, the early stage science and technology is is um, and research is pretty good in the federal government or the granting agencies that sponsor universities, and certainly our manufacturing base and the Ah, uh, the major corporations and companies as they're building things when it assumes mature technology. When they see that, they're they're pretty good. It's that middle part that uh, that we see. And so, yes, it absolutely requires an interdisciplinary team. So it's not only expertise in procurement, but expertise in the basic research, science, and technology issues, but also the major programmatic uh, considerations of how you, and when and uh, how to shift resources into. Uh, maturing the technology a little bit more, so as to avoid the uh, the major uh, budget blow-ups uh, downstream, which GAO has seen uh, a number of those.
0: And if you postulate, say, this is my problem, I want a single aircraft platform that can serve all the military services and can take off straight from the ground, straight vertically from a ship or from a carrier. How do you know whether that's a technology question or simply an engineering problem that uh, any competent airframe manufacturer could solve?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Tom, because really, when you think about it, I think the program um, you're mentioning here is something we have uh, many years of experience on, uh, the F-35 Lightning II or the Joint Strike Fighter. And it it is intended to be a single platform, but in its expression, it has uh, capability Are unique capability requirements for each of the services. So for example, uh, the Marine Corps variant that you're talking about in the F-35 was to have vertical takeoff. They needed to go up and down just like the classic Harrier jets would do, Uh, whereas the Navy needed to make sure that anything built was good for uh, a marine environment where it's, it's salty air and things and you have to land it hard on a deck, on a, you know, pitching and rolling deck out at sea. So what happens is uh, sometimes the technologies, uh, uh, some of the critical technologies, as, as they're referred to as discussed in our guide, uh, do cut across the three variants between Air Force, Marine Corps, and Navy of the jet, let's say, but the, the critical technologies for the Marine variant versus the uh, Navy variant, let's say, uh, will have some, some differential, and so that often uh, is a source of, of uh, risk to the program and risk in terms of Moving your schedule increasingly to the right, and then having to go back to Congress and ask for more money, uh, sometimes doubling, tripling, uh, you know, ten xing, or you know, a magnitude increase to your budget, which is never good.
0: We're speaking with Dr. Tim Persons. He's chief scientist and managing director of the Science, Technology, and Assessment and Analytics team at the GAO. And what about when a, I guess I'll pick on the Air Force a little bit more here, but what about when a technology is, by everyone's estimation, something that's mature, and yet they still run into trouble? I'm thinking of the tanker program, where it was simply the adaption of a existing commercial plane, and everyone knew everything there was to know about tankers. They've been doing it for 75 years, and you put gas in here, and a nozzle comes out here and snaps in there. And yet years yeah. and years and years later, they only have one barely working prototype.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And what we saw was, and what we describe in the guide is, uh, it's a subtle differential, but there's the idea of new technology or novel technology. And sometimes it may, novel might be technology that's been used for a number of years, sometimes decades, but the novelty is when you switch its, its sort of requirements framework or the capability or what you're asking it to do, it may seem like um, that you have, you know, you have maturity, you have it all going on, but that's in the context of an older system. And so, when you ask uh, an older technology to exist in a newer system, you need to rethink just based upon your capabilities and technologies, like the refueling nozzle that you're talking about uh, with the, the the air tanker refueler uh, that we noted. So, uh, in other words, any time when you're when in that particular case when you're considering a new uh, refueling tanker, you have to look at what are my critical technologies, and you can't just assume that. Well, we did it in this past program decades ago, so it's all it's all good, and and we we just need to focus on other things. So uh, that's where it really is critical, as our guide discusses, to, uh, with no pun intended, to identify the critical technology elements of the program, and that's based upon the mission requirements that are at hand.
0: Yeah, if we could only get this pig to flap its ears, maybe it could fly, and. Looking ahead for new technology readiness assessments, who should be on the team in an agency? I mean, obviously the contracting function, but what about program and even budgetary?
1: Exactly. The program and the budgetary element, the acquisition staff, uh, you definitely need uh, scientists and engineers. And uh, if possible, you have not only the early stage research uh, science technology uh, staff on there, but you have uh, system engineers who uh, know how to address or incorporate uh, some uh, at-the-bench um, high-performing technology, but still something that needs to be uh, made sure or matured so that it operates in its in a system context. So uh, there's another layer of technical staff, sometimes ideally even independent from uh, the research lab itself, um, in order to uh, deal with uh, the maturation of these technologies Uh, for greater success, uh, because, again, as we've increasingly seen, these critical technology elements, if uh, put in in an immature state, will result in uh, delays and major budget impacts.
0: And your guide outlines detailed methodologies for doing TRAs and assessing the technology readiness levels, TRLs, of different technologies. Does it also go into when to cut loose and say, you know, enough's enough, we're not going to go here?
1: So, uh, right, that's an excellent question because the guide is meant to, again, guide is the key word. It's not a here's the exact recipe and if you follow it exactly every time in, in, in a prescriptive way for every program because uh, major technology maturation considerations, let's say, a nuclear waste cleanup are different than, let's say, the, like the Joint Strike Fighter or a jet platform like you uh, mentioned earlier. And so you do need to uh, make sure that you understand or give the programs that, uh, those nuances so that they can um, manage their risks along the way. And we did identify where there, there are, uh TRA can be a capability that's ongoing for what we call the PMO, the Program Management Office, so that it's day-by-day risk management of these things, too, so that the, the, the head of the PMO can say, hey, how are we doing on, here's my list of critical technology elements because uh, she or he are going to then have to uh, narrate and, and uh, justify budget up the, um, up the command chain and things, and oh, certainly over to Congress to try and justify or make requests and say, hey, we've identified these things, we're, we're doing this. So there's both an ongoing day-to-day way of doing TRA, or it's a way of life for risk management, and then there's also times when you're doing it in a, in a major formal sense that Um, moves toward uh, decision makers like uh, the secretaries of of a department or uh, their acquisition senior professionals and so on.
0: And by the way, the guide is oriented, I guess, toward military, but that's not the only branch, the only set of departments that has to deal with this, is it?
1: That's right. And we've seen that uh, the services themselves, the Air Force has had a lot of uh, maturity, as it were, in, in working with technology readiness levels. It's the rating scale to do TRA. The Navy does it. Uh, Army has done it. All the services have been doing it in their own way. And so DOD has a relative amount of, uh, of experience in this. But there are other departments and agencies in the civilian side uh, that need this and uh, are, 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 were part of our process of identifying the best practices and working in our working group. Uh, think of things like uh, the Department of uh, Department of Transportation, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, all of these agencies that, uh, though, like DHS, for example, has a key law enforcement mission. There's so many things that DHS capabilities are seeking that are based upon uh, never-before-seen technologies. And same with, like, Department of Transportation, who is uh, going to have to wrestle with the world of uh, emerging world of autonomous vehicles, let's say. So um, as the government becomes increasingly uh, tech-focused, the guide was intended to be beyond just DOD. Lessons learned from DOD, of course, building in best practices from DOD, but certainly applied to any of the civilian agencies that are pursuing or dealing with these uh, technical systems.
0: Dr. Tim Persons is Chief Scientist and Managing Director of the Science, Technology Assessment, and Analytics Team at the Government Accountability Office. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thanks very much, Tom.
0: We'll post this interview along with a link to his new guide at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.
1: As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just 3 dollars per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details.